Welcome to the I Dare You podcast by United Against Human Trafficking. I'm your host, Elaine Andino, and we believe that together we can end exploitation. Welcome to part two of our interview with Joe Madison from Demand Disruption and our exploration into the mentality of a sex buyer and how we go from watching porn to buying sex. I encourage you to go back and listen to part one, if you haven't already, where you can learn a bit about Joe, what Demand Disruption's mission is, and how porn and trafficking are linked. If you have listened to part one, welcome back. Let's dive back in. We have to go in making informed choices. Mm -hmm. We are not the sex police. You know, if we're for sex, check the box. Yes, we are. Mm -hmm. Healthy sex. What we're not for is deception. And we've got men that are addicted to pornography, are acting out on buying behavior, Mm -hmm. um, are throwing away thousands of dollars and their marriages at strip Mm -hmm. clubs. Mm -hmm. And after six months, eight months, they point back to the beginning of that. And that compulsion was pornography. And while not every man who watches pornography or every person who watches pornography is going to buy illicit commercial sex. Every one of the hundreds of men we've worked with, mm-hmm. every one of them in our class, we have a survey, they check the box. Every one of them had a porn issue. Which is mind boggling. And I, I realize how many people this is surprising to just based upon the candid conversations I have with yeah. people. They just, they have no idea the connection and how easy it is to get from being a consumer of porn to crossing over and being and purchasing sex. There's a couple more things that I want to talk about. One, um, specifically, I know you and I have chatted about human trafficking can happen in porn. It's not just mm-hmm. once you go and purchase on the street. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about that, and then we'll get more into like resources and the... Sure. the more hopeful side of things. Yeah. Uh, like so many in this industry, I, I defer to Melissa Farley right. when we talk about this. Mm-hmm. She dedicated her life to understanding prostituted women. Mm-hmm. Notice I didn't say prostitutes, uh, prostituted people. Mm-hmm. I say people also because the very sad truth is one of the fastest demographics are children and young boys. Yeah. And that speaks volumes to the continued escalation of severity and and for some would say degradation of of where you go in your mind as you Mm -hmm. see content and want to act out on it. Um, My first thought is a survey that she did. I want to say it it spanned nine countries, Mm -hmm. um, close to 500 women. And as she talked to these prostituted women, her studies showed that nearly half of them had Mm -hmm. pornography made of them as they were being trafficked. They were being trafficked by somebody. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not only were they being exploited and having to have sex for money, um, much of that was being filmed. Right. And that, that created content. Elaine, you don't truly know what you're watching is consensual. Yeah, and you even, don't. even when it is air quotes again, consensual, mm-hmm. how consensual is it? How, how many decisions were eliminated? Options were eliminated in that person's life. When we consider that, that adult film industry, performers, um, I've come to hate that word because it almost like we, we, we almost bring it alongside athletes and actors. Right. It's, it's just so different, but how many, uh, how many options do you truly have whenever the majority of them, a vast number of them, statistics tell us were sexually molested were abused as a child sexually were uh, exploited at some young age and essentially being told, this is what you're good for. Yeah. 
Yes. And as they deal with the trauma for that, they get mm-hmm. older and they see a culture that glorifies it. Mm-hmm. They'll take that acceptance. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's sad. And so the other part of that survey, I would say, bringing it back to pornography, um, an overwhelming majority of them said that the men that bought sex from them were there to act out something they saw in pornography. And now we're back to the escalation dynamic that yeah. developed. It's the, it's the connection that we must realize mm-hmm. is a legitimate connection. Right. We've got to take what culture normalizes, mm-hmm. stare it right in the face, and normalize the truth right back at it. Right. Because it's not just to each their own. It's, it's, it's all very connected, and people are hurt because of it. And it just goes back to, once again, unveiling the lies that we're all fed, yeah. created by the porn industry, because they're making so much money off of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, we have the lies that the privacy issue, it's just, it, it's the morality issue. Hey, this is what I want to do. It's fine. I'm not hurting anybody. And then we have, the truth is that a lot of these women have gone through horrific stuff, which have put them behind the camera or yeah, put them on right. the streets. So it's not a fair exchange of goods. Like people think, oh, this is just capitalism. She's I, just this comfortable is what, with her sexuality. Right, right. right. I'm just going to favor all of that is a lie. Yeah. And then it gets you in that cycle where you have the shame cycle and people aren't talking about it. And then once it becomes very obvious, we have a major trafficking problem in the U S people are so alarmed and they're wondering what they can do about it. And really it starts way earlier mm-hmm. than That's somebody right. actually purchasing sex, somebody selling sex. Absolutely does. And so I always like to challenge people of, yes, we need to stop trafficking, stopping trafficking really starts much earlier than stopping the act or taking care of survivors, all which are incredibly important. But we all have a part to play where we can begin questioning lies that we've been fed in culture. And why have we been fed these lies? Well, because people are making money off of what we're doing. And so once we start unveiling that, then we can really shift and say, wait, I think I want to take some power back here. Mm -hmm. I want to be in control of what I watch, what I see what I participate in and that's going to be my contribution and, and having open dialogue with our children, with our spouses, with our friends about the reality of yeah. all of this. Yeah. It's, it's a great connection. All of what you just said, because when you first look at trafficking and you, maybe you're new to it and you didn't realize how pervasive it is in our own country, mm-hmm. um, not only pervasive, we're the number one consumer in many ways of mm-hmm. illicit sex in the world, in the world, why means opportunity, when we look at it from that perspective, it can be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. It can be, well, what do we do against this? Because so many times we picture the movie Taken or something for right. trafficking. Yeah. I mean, I also have a particular set of skills, but I'm no Liam Neeson. <laughs> right. um, most and it's of a it, fun movie. <laughs> yeah, most of it has to do with eating barbecue and, and right. other things. But um, we have to realize that it's not happening in some violent, abductive way. Not right. Now, that's not to minimize that it does happen that it does, way. It does, but not very it's, frequently. It's happening on social media. It's right. happening because you get a ping on Instagram that says, oh, you're beautiful. You should be a model. In fact, my friend has a modeling agency, and now they friend you. And now there's a six-week grooming period to get you to right. meet them somewhere. You mm-hmm. know, they're, they're, As every parent, I'm a big boy, right? So if somebody threatens my kids, I'll be the second one there. Mom will be there, and I feel mm-hmm. more sorry for them if she gets to them first. <laughs> That's true for probably every wife and mom. The truth is we don't get that opportunity. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be our chance to put our body and ourselves between the threat and our kids or people we love. Mm -hmm. We're not even going to know what's happening until we're dealing with the fallout. So look this thing in the eye and don't be intimidated by it. Because when I say it seems too big, the way we beat this, we don't change 
the world or our country or our state. We didn't even change you know, our city, whatever. We changed the conversations we have at our dinner table. We changed the, the responsibility we accept in our communities mm-hmm. as having real conversations, emulating that this is a hard time to be a young person right. and, and having those vulnerable conversations with your kid who expects to hear how easy they have it, right? Say something different. Say to them, I don't know what it's like being a 15-year-old or whatever, however old you are, in this culture with all of this mm-hmm. around you. I see it, and I'm an adult, and even I struggle with it sometimes. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to go through this alone. I want us to be each other's accountability partner. Can you imagine saying that to a young person? They're not expecting that, and they get talked to like, yeah, we're equals in that we are both susceptible, yeah. and culture wants us to be hooked, snared, and commissioned off of. That's pretty much it. Yes. That's, a, right. that's your whole value. Lifetime and consumer. That's exactly it. And, and that stair step continues and along the way. When we realize that we're not actually making informed choices, then we feel pretty tricked and ripped off. We do. And that's what this industry does. Yeah. The, the last point I will make about that is Exodus Cry recently mm-hmm. took on uh, Pornhub. Mm-hmm. You may be familiar with yes, that. If yeah. you're listening, if you're not, look it up. Um, it is... It is a, a testimony to what can happen whenever you question the giant. Pornhub, or larger than that, MindGeek, their organization, was this behemoth of pornography. Mm-hmm. Some sick and twisted stuff on their sites, mm-hmm. uh, all under the guise of free press, you know, mm-hmm. freedom of speech, all that. Well, Excess Cry challenged them and pulled up this trafficking hub thing. It, what I'm getting at is question it. Question it and, right. and don't take this normalization for an answer. Mm -hmm. What came of that was, I think the last estimate was almost 80% of their content from a year ago was removed because they could not prove where they vetted any of the uploads, that it was consensual, that the person was 18. Mm -hmm. And that is what we're dealing with. When Mm -hmm. you click on that site, let's say you were going to view the most, we'll call it natural sexual encounter. What if you just looked up, man, woman, love each other, have sex. Okay. Uh, I don't think that pornography exists, but if it does, (laughs) the next time you go to look for it Mm -hmm. and you put that same thing in, I promise you, you will get stuff pop up that you will be like, no, no, no. No, I don't want that. Right. Three times later, it might be like, oh, and Mm -hmm. then later you're watching something that would have disgusted you before. Right. That is the game plan with pornography. Mm -hmm. We just have to realize that is this deceptive escalation Mm -hmm. that happens in this predatory industry. And I love the way that you talked about having a conversation with your kids, right? Because that removes the shame portion where previously I think porn was avoidable. And when we were growing up previous generations, you like just didn't go buy the magazine and then you didn't see it. (laughs) So, Hey, don't go there. Don't look at this. Whereas now it's just a matter of time before everybody sees porn accidentally and children have friends that introduce. So then you, the way that you have the conversation it removes the shame of like, don't do yeah. this. If you did this, it's wrong mm-hmm. to, hey, this is a really tough time that you're growing up in. How do we do this together? Yeah. How do we have this conversation together so I can help you navigate this? Yeah, something like, of course, this is tempting to you. I mean, mm-hmm. why wouldn't it be? It's right. a misrepresentation of what, what's natural. And if your faith tells you that God created sex, then you could say that as well and mm-hmm. say, you know, God created sex to be beautiful. Even if it doesn't, just saying that this is a, this is a misrepresentation of what, you're supposed to believe is sex and sexuality. Mm-hmm. That is a way to engage that's not threatening mm-hmm. and it leaves a safe space. Now your kid might not jump right in and say, I've been waiting for you to bring this up. Right. Probably not going <laughs> Probably to. Probably not. Don't a little awkward. That's right. But you're going to be driving the car and mm-hmm. you're going to be going to a game or you're going to be dropping them off somewhere and they're going to say, 
you were talking about sex before. Um, I really, I really am confused by something. Or that conversation will come up. I can't tell you how many parents in our workshops later on come back to us. Mm-hmm. And they say, we had the conversation and I didn't know we were going to have it that day. But we right. had it because we started it. Yeah. And we started it in this even playing field. That's a, that's encouraging. So yeah. parents who attempt this and the first time it maybe doesn't go as smoothly as they hoped. Yeah. That it, it'll come back around. That's and it. just opening the door for that conversation. Yeah. As we close, tell me a little bit about some of what we can call success stories. Men mm-hmm. who have come through the program and are really excited to have a new lease on life. I honestly don't think I've ever gotten to explore that. So that's cool. Um, I, wor- I worked with a guy, and when we were in our first class, our star class, he was actually sort of vocal about mocking our connection to pornography to trafficking. And he was kind of mocking that prostitution was even trafficking. Mm-hmm. Because he hears the normalization. He grew up in that society. He had older brothers. Mm-hmm. He hears the term sex worker. Mm-hmm. used in a way that actually isn't respectful of people who are in this life, but mm-hmm. more used in a way that's, um, that's a little too, too cavalier. And, and so he, he came to this awareness. We were sitting there eating one time and we're talking because we meet with our guys once a week, okay. about an hour. And we stay in contact during the week and he, I'm talking to him, we're eating wings. And I remember in mid sense, he goes, man, I was thinking the other day, I don't even know who I was then. Like the way my brain worked, he said, when I went to buy sex, I convinced myself it wasn't cheating because there was no relationship. And he said, I just, I, I feel like I'm a different person, but I also feel like that person was, was somebody that I, I don't even remember getting to that point. And so it was this reflection of his, his path. And it, the point that he could stop and look back is a point that I call, uh, when I'm talking to guys, I tell them, at some point, you're going to refer to him. Mm-hmm. You're not there yet, but we will both refer to him. And what I mean by that is you're going to get to a point where you're going to say, I made decisions based on my beliefs then. Mm-hmm. And those decisions were hurtful to me and others. And I didn't see that. When he did that, it's not to give them an out. It's because they've made the changes. And now if they were to be introduced with the same triggers, they see the truth behind them. Making informed decisions, they're not going to go down that road because they know the truth of what it really is. And now they've got him in that category over here. And they are themselves. They're this person mm-hmm. that can look back on that person who made those decisions. That's important. You got to earn it too. And so that's one story. Another one is the the person that we worked with. uh, This kid, I say kid, I shouldn't say that. He was 20 years old Mm -hmm. when he got arrested. Almost a kid. Yeah. Uh, He got arrested, going to school. Mm -hmm. And to him, it was just, you know, first time he's going to try it because he was on a porn site. Mm -hmm. He said, meet local girls or whatever. And it was a reversal. The thing that I think about with that is if he just got arrested and shamed Mm -hmm. and didn't get connected with somebody who could walk him through a process. Now, I'm partial to ours, obviously. There are other processes that are very effective, but that process has to include some self-discovery. It has to improve a level of truth that you're not capable of without maybe even a polygraph or something, Mm -hmm. one of the things that we implement. He would have started to believe, instead of this is a thing I did, this is somebody I am. And that was his own words. Like he said, I started thinking that this is just what I am. Right. And he had such self-loathing that it was just becoming a, a, a given that that's mm-hmm. what he was, even at that young age. And yeah. so much of it was pointed to his porn addiction and then also, um, let's just say, an incident that was unwelcome when he was younger sure. uh, by an adult. The, the story that's come of that is mm-hmm. awesome. Like, he, he is mentoring his nephews. Uh, he finished the program. Mm-hmm. He's coming up on his graduation. And I don't just tell that as this sort of Pollyannish, here's how it can be. What I want 
to be heard is that this can be anybody mm -hmm. and that if we don't face it and have a method to work through it, mm -hmm. the detriment is that you could create a buyer for life. Right. And that is a huge concern. Huge concern. And September 1st in Texas, mm -hmm. part of the legislation that we were part of uh, in this mm -hmm. last uh, go round, it's a state jail felony it is. to solicit prostitution. And without going down too far down that road, compare that to the Class A misdemeanor that it is now. And mm -hmm. the Class B, it was the last session. We're going in the right direction. But my concern is that, are we going to extend an opportunity for people to get help so mm -hmm. that they never buy again? I hope that we do. Mm -hmm. And I hope that we are some, in some way able to lead that. Mm -hmm. But think about that, our first offense. And now if you've, you've already been arrested, mm -hmm. you get arrested again, that's a third degree state jail felony. Those are some steep prices. That's a life changer. It is. That is. And I'm so thankful here in Houston that we have you out there with HATRA and with HPD. And are, are you doing stings with Montgomery County Police as well? Or are yes, you we're, yeah. we're reversals with them. Would, Harris County is a partner. So, yeah, yeah. law enforcement needs to be applauded for their willingness to right. look at this in a different way. Mm -hmm. And it, it's just awesome what law enforcement is doing with the anti-trafficking community. Mm -hmm. I got a call from uh, Arizona the other wow. day because they saw our website. Mm -hmm. And they want to understand our partnership with the police because they're two separate entities there. It's law, it's law enforcement and it's anti-trafficking. Mm -hmm. That is a testimony, yes, to the anti-trafficking community, but also to local law enforcement's willingness to go, okay, how can we incorporate some delivery mechanism to get help for not only people being sold, but people mm -hmm. who are buying so that they don't do that again. We have a permanent disruption of the behavior. That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. Is. I'm so proud of it. They're doing awesome work. Well, Joe, thank you so much for being here. I've oh, loved great. this conversation. I think it's a conversation that needs to happen on a much wider scale because I think it's a huge part of the overall trafficking conversation and just the health of our society and us as humans. Yeah, it's so, a particular honor for me. That yeah. UAHT has such a lineage of leading mm -hmm. in anti-trafficking. This is yeah. not even a plug. If you look at it, local law enforcement mm -hmm. patterned a lot of their decision-making and development of programs mm -hmm. with the help of UAHT in the early years. So United Against Human Trafficking has done so much, and not just sex trafficking, but, but labor trafficking. So it's an honor to get to sit down and really open this up, and Thank I'd love you. to do it again soon. Absolutely. At the end of each of our episodes, we like to offer a challenge or a dare to all of our listeners. Oh, so I'm going <laughs> to... What did I agree to here? I know. I'm going to kick it over I, to you, <laughs> right? So what would your challenge or your dare be to our listeners? Uh, I have a lot come to mind. I will say this preface. When we work with with buyers and people who are struggling right now, we're not actually dealing with people August 26, 2021. Mm -hmm. We're dealing with 10 years ago, mm -hmm. five years ago. There was no intercession. Mm -hmm. There wasn't a healthy conversation with parents and kids because we just haven't been equipped to, to really take on this challenge. So mm -hmm. here is my dare. I dare you with somebody that you care about, whether it's your kid, your niece, your nephew, whatever, a brother, sister, I dare you to, to use empathy language that sounds a little bit like this. This must be extremely hard to be a young person in this culture. We talked mm -hmm. about it earlier, right? Mm -hmm. Open with that. And I'm concerned because I know that I get tempted every day. I just turn on the TV. Uh, you can't help it. Uh, I dare you to come to somebody with that sort of empathy and then say to them, you can trust me anytime mm -hmm. to have a conversation. Mm -hmm. And I will realize where you're at and I will respect the challenges that you have, and I will do that with empathy, and I will never shame you. Mm. Have that conversation. It might blindside them, but that could open up a real ongoing dialogue about what we used to call the talk, mm -hmm. which is a train wreck. 
Right. It's a one and done. <laughs> yeah, it is. No one ever speak of this again, right? Mm-hmm. So I dare you, lead with empathy. And in doing so, create that safe space where they can come to you whenever time comes. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful dare. Thank you so much, Joe. Yeah, thank right. you. Thank you for listening to I Dare You, a podcast by United Against Human Trafficking. Please like and subscribe to the podcast as well as share this with all of your friends and family. And we'd love to hear from you. Feel free to message us at podcast at UAHT.org or you can find us on all social media platforms. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.